from the unreal to the real take us from darkness unto light lead us from death to immortality om peace 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 good morning everybody and the the few who are here physically present so there's there's only four of us here today and uh, the much larger number who are virtually present. I hope everybody is keeping well by the grace of the Lord in these difficult circumstances. Today, we are going to continue the discussion that we started last Sunday. One of the greatest of the post-Shankara Advaita masters, Madhusudan Saraswati, who lived about 500 years ago, um, he wrote a number of remarkable texts. Uh, he is most well known for his uh, magnum opus, the Advaita Siddhi, which is a dialectical work. But he's also very, very well known for this work, this uh, magnificent commentary on the Bhagavad Gita, the Gurhartha Deepika, the lamp of profound illumination, or the lamp illumining the profound or secret meaning. Um, very comprehensive commentary. Noted for its wonderful synthesis of devotion with jnana, love with knowledge. This commentary has a, a wonderful introduction. 46 verses composed by Madhusudana Saraswati, which gives us an outline of spiritual life according to Vedanta. So that's what we were discussing last time. And... Uh, Today is a follow-on, is, is a completion of what we had started last time. So last time we talked about spiritual practice, the spiritual journey and spiritual practice. To recollect very quickly, the structure of spiritual practice, sadhana, by the practice of karma yoga, unselfish action, uh, one purifies the mind. The problem is impurity of the mind, the solution is uh, karma yoga, uh, the, the method is karma yoga and the solution is purity of the mind. So impure mind becomes pure mind through karma yoga. And then upasana, worship of God, meditation on the Lord. The second stage, the distracted mind has to be concentrated, focused. The scattered mind has to be gathered and made one-pointed. And this is done through upasana, through worship, devotion, meditation, uh, usually on God. Now with a purified and concentrated mind, we come to jnana yoga, the way of knowledge. Um, this initial purification and focus gives us the qualifications for jnana. We all know the qualifications for the path of knowledge, the discernment between the eternal and the non-eternal, viveka, the dispassion for the non-eternal, vairagya, the six-fold uh, treasures or disciplines, uh, 
and then the intense desire for freedom, mumukshuttvam. Viveka, vairagya, shatsampatti, mumukshuttvam. These fourfold qualifications, uh, ha- they, they come up, they develop by the, the initial practices of karma yoga, of karma and upasana. Once we have these fourfold qualifications, with these we enter into the path of knowledge. Here the problem is ignorance and it is to be overcome by knowledge. Knowledge is generated by hearing, reflection, meditation. Shravana, manana, nididhyasana. Um, learning the teachings of Vedanta, that, that thou art, tattvam asi, our real nature. We inquire into who or what we are with the help of the Vedantic texts and the teacher. And then we reflect upon it, mananam. All the doubts that come are cleared up. Clarity comes at the stage of reflection. And then assimilation. The teachings are assimilated by dwelling on it through prolonged meditation, nididhyasanam. This leads to the uh, rising of knowledge. What kind of knowledge? Aham brahmasmi. A clarity, a breakthrough comes. Not just understanding it, not just hearing and knowing, yes, the book tells me I am Brahman, not that way. Not even mananam, that all right, I get the philosophy behind it. The doubts have been cleared. No, um, a living realization, an intuitive grasp that, oh, this is what I am. I am Brahman, this absolute reality which I am. And this realization, uh, this is called enlightenment. This is called uh, Brahma Jnana, the, the realization of the absolute. And uh, in this text, Madhusudan Saraswati, he composes a beautiful verse, which is where we had stopped last time. This is the 19th verse in his introduction. Avidya vinivrittistu tattva jnana udaibhavet tata avarane kshine kshiyete brahma samshayo As tattva jnana, tattva jnana means uh, tattva means thatness, that Brahman. So the realization of that, of that absolute, when that arises, then avidya, ignorance, ignorance about our real nature, that ignorance goes away. The primal ignorance from which comes the entirety of samsara, that ignorance is destroyed by the arising of the knowledge of the self. Just as sunrise drives away the darkness of the night, Similarly, the rise of self-knowledge or Brahman knowledge drives away the darkness of samsara. Avaranekshine, the ignorance, uh, avidya or ajnana, ignorance, has a, has a covering power, a, 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 like a veil of illusion. And that veil is removed. And with the removal of that veil of, illu- uh, veil of ignorance, um, error, Brahma, and doubt, samshaya, both disappear. So this is called enlightenment. And after this, what is there? What is the nature of this enlightenment? You see, the beauty of Advaita Vedanta is, it talks about enlightenment here and now, perfection here and now. If you step back and look at the spiritual paths, in most of the paths, especially in the theistic religions, perfection Salvation, moksha is promised after death. Uh, 
So one Swami joked that in Advaita Vedanta, it's not business on credit. It's cash business, here and now. What is promised is given to you here and now. So right here, we get the result of freedom, moksha while living. That is called Jivan Mukti. So this is the topic. Um, today's topic is Jivan Mukti. What happens? People ask, so after realization, what will happen? And that is a little, uh, that's a strange question, but it's worth asking. And uh, Madhusudana talks about it. What is there after realization? After uh, knowing, after realizing that I am Brahman. Um, one might ask, what's the point of discussing these things? These are so far away. It's much better to know where one is in one's spiritual life and practice at that level. But it's good to know the goal. What is it that we are aiming at? And naturally, we all have a curiosity. If we are sincere spiritual seekers, what is it like to be enlightened? What is it like to be enlightened while living, Jivan Mukta? What does it feel like? Does it feel like anything at all? Um, so the discussion of that is very interesting actually. And also practical. It's also practical. It's useful for us at every level of spiritual life. How? This is the question that Arjuna asked Krishna at the end of the second chapter of the Bhagavad Gita. Stita pragyasya ka bhasha. The, the one who is, whose wisdom is settled, who is centered in self-knowledge. Stita pragya. Basically he means this enlightened person, this jivan mukta. How would you define such a person? What is this person like? How does this enlightened uh, being walk and talk and interact with others? How does, it, uh, how does uh, he or she meditate and how does he or she interact with the world? So this question is asked. And what is the practical use of this question, this discussion? Shankaracharya in his commentary to the Bhagavad Gita, in his commentary to this, this, this section about the sthita pragya, about the enlightened person, he says, Yani eva kritarthasya lakshanani, tani eva sadhakasya sadhanani, yatna sadhyatvat. An important point. Whatever are the characteristics of the enlightened person, of the enlightened being, those are practices for the rest of us. Those of us who are trying to be enlightened, who are trying to get freedom, uh, for us, these are practices, the characteristics of the sthita pragya. Why? Yatna sadhyatvat. By a uh, sincere and assiduous practice of these, we will reach that, that, that stage. We will get enlightenment ourselves. So these are clues for us, practices for us. Now, Madhusudan Saraswati, he sets the stage for Jivan Mukti, freedom while living. The 20th verse, Anarabdhani Karmani Nashyanteva samantataha Natvagami nijayante Tatvagyana prabhavataha How is Jivan Mukti possible? What is this Jivan Mukti? He takes it from the point of view of karma. The law of karma is fundamental to all systems of Indian philosophy. Basically it says that whatever we have consciously done in past lives, good or bad, gives its results. When the results are 
mixed, both good and bad, we get human birth. So our human birth is uh, the product of a mixed good and bad. Dharma, adharma, papa, punya. Uh, that gives its result as a human birth. Very good karma leads to birth in um, higher realms, uh, in uh, various uh, higher heavens, let us say. And uh, very bad karma leads to uh, birth as uh, animals, uh, as lower beings which do not have uh, will, which do not have freedom of will. But what concerns us the human, is the human birth. Now this karma comes in three forms. One is the, the prarabdha karma, most important. It's that part of our stored up karma, of past karma, the, the storehouse, which has become activated. When it becomes activated, it gives results. The result is this body, this life, the birth that I have, um, the major events of my life. They are determined by, by, by a law of cause and effect. They are the effects of my prarabdha karma. Prarabdha literally means well begun, begun, that which has already begun to give results. But there is also sanchita karma, the whole storehouse of many, many lives of karma which has not yet given results. So it's a huge storehouse, a mountain of past karma. That has really directly no bearing on my present life. My present life is uh, determined by prarabdha karma, a small part of that entire storehouse. But also, because I am identified with this body and mind, because I have a sense of doership, kartritva, whatever I do generates results. So these are the agamini, the things which are being stored to my storehouse of karma, which will give rise to future births, both good and bad results. Good karma, which is called dharma, gives a power called punya. And that power gives rise to sukha, happiness. Consciously done bad karma, uh, which I know to be bad, but some, for some reason, due to fear or temptation, I still do it. Uh, that is called adharma. And adharma gives rise to papa, uh, a negative, a demerit, let's call it, and, uh, or sin, which gives rise to an effect called dukkha. So our life, a mixture of sukha and dukkha, happiness, pleasure, misery, pain, all of this is the product of our prarabdha karma. And as we go through life, we keep generating the agami karma, which will give uh, results, which will be added to our storehouse and give results later. And of course, there's the background store of sanchita karma. Now, what he says here is, that kind of karma, which has not yet begun to give results, is destroyed by the rise of um, tattva jnana, by the realization that I am Brahman. Sri Ramakrishna is to say, all our sins all together, he says it is like a mountain of cotton. It's a mountain, but it's a mountain of cotton. And one matchstick, if you light and throw it into that mountain of cotton, it blazes forth and, and reduces the whole thing to ashes within an instant. So that matchstick, that flash of fire is uh, the realization, I am Brahman. All this is an appearance. Immediately it is reduced to nothingness. So this is the entire storehouse of karma, my past karma. And then he says, when you realize that you are Brahman, 
that you are not this body and mind, immediately there you realize that you are not the doer of actions. In fact, even this entire world and its actions are all appearances. Then there is no agami karma, no further karma that is to be attached to you. So further karma is not generated. So storehouse of karma burnt up and no future karma is being added. So this is the state for when one gets the realization. I am Brahman when enlightenment comes. Um, but, but, here is the interesting thing. The prarabdha karma, which is begun already, that keeps on giving results. That will not stop because I have got realization I am Brahman. I will realize that that's also an appearance. It only affects the body and mind which are also appearances. But that appearance will continue. So an example is given, a bowman, an archer, is shooting arrows. Now, he may suddenly decide not to shoot anymore. So the quiver full of arrows, he throws away. Even the arrow which he had put on the bow, he throws it away. But the arrow which he has released, which is already in the air, moving towards the target, that will go and hit the target. So the karma which has started giving results, will keep on giving results. An example is the potter's wheel where uh, the potter spins the wheel and makes the pot, shapes the pot. After the potter has finished his work, he gets up and goes away. But the wheel, if he has given it a nice push, it will rotate one or two times and then stop. Similarly, this body and mind, propelled by past karma, by the prarabdha karma, which has generated this body, uh, this body will continue to work until the prarabdha karma is exhausted. So this body will continue to exist, still live. And then this person who has got realization and yet still lives uh, in this body, we call this person Jivan Mukta. Jivan Mukta. And Swami Vivekananda gives another example. That the wheels are rolling. If you cut the axle, uh, it will not stop immediately. It will roll once or twice and then fall down. Another example is the fan is going round and round. You switch it off. But it will not stop if you switch it off. It will go around for a f one or few, few more cycles and then stop. Similarly, this body will continue for some time. The mind also will continue for some time. Then it stops. When it stops, there is a very big difference between the enlightened being and the non-enlightened. For those of us who are not yet enlightened, we have not yet realized that we are Brahman. We feel we are this particular person. What happens as death, at death is that the prarabdha karma is exhausted. The one which gave rise to this body is exhausted. So the body dies. The body dies. It's interesting how death comes in so such unexpected ways. Um, our um, worldly calculations seem to have no effect there. Um, I was just reading about this lady in Spain who is 113 years old. She's the oldest person living in Spain. She got the coronavirus and the symptoms and she struggled and survived. And yet I was hearing right here in New York, um, there are young persons who died, the children who got affected. How do you know who's going to live and who's not going to live? There are people who have got... Uh, um, you know, hit by multiple bullets in, in war time, still they survive. And there are people who get a small cut and get it gets infected or septic and they die. Prarabdha karma is the uh, deeper answer. Uh, of course, we have no way of knowing how much prarabdha karma is left. But this is the way the karma va, the theory of karma understands life and death. 
this life of this particular body goes on till prarabdha karma is exhausted at the point of exhaustion of prarabdha karma the enlightened person's body dies of course and for those of us who are not enlightened what will happen to us is the subtle body sukshma sharira the mind intellect memory all of that becomes bundled up into a seed form and then this is the jivatma the atman which is reflected in the jivatma that jivatma the subtle body it transmigrates it goes on to future lives according to the past karma but for the enlightened person once the prarabdha karma is exhausted the physical body dies and because there is no more stored up karma because there is no more stored up karma the subtle body also goes back to nature the upanishads talk about it physical body goes back to nature like everybody else's but everybody else's subtle body transmigrates so they continue to remain as a jiva in higher or lower births and the cycle of samsara continues for the rest but for the enlightened person the cycle of samsara stops there physical god body goes back to nature the subtle body also goes back to nature remember subtle body and physical body are both bodies and they are made of matter subtle matter and gross matter but anyway so that's what happens to the unenlightened we go on through samsara but for the enlightened that's the end as the physical body and the subtle body go back to nature the enlightened person the brahmagyani jivan mukta remains as brahman and um, this is called videha mukti videha mukti means bodiless liberation liberation after death so in advaita vedanta these two are the final jivan mukti as long as prarabdha karma lasts the person is enlightened while living and these are the people we call the the enlightened beings the teachers of religion the spiritual giants the real saints jivan mukta and at death at the physical death they there is videha mukti so these two and advaita vedanta insists on jivan mukti you must not wait till the end of the body and then you will get liberation who knows you will get liberation here and now the theistic religions all talk about liberation after death perfection after death after death you will go to vaikuntha and stay with vishnu various kinds of samadhi are there will in the presence of god you will stay in heaven whether it's vaikuntha or the christian heaven uh, or the um, uh, muslim jannat that after death you will reach um, a, a place of uh, of communion with god and staying eternally with god a very beautiful conception but that's later postponed in advaita vedanta liberation here and now so this is what he is talking about there is no further karma by the power of tattva jnana by the realization i am brahman now the rest of the discussion is how to get the joy of jivan mukti before we go ahead let's dwell a little bit on this jivan mukti what is it like it's good to think about what would it like to be enlightened the first thing is it's a state of tremendous joy 
and spontaneous joy. And there are descriptions of um, Swami Bodhanandaji who was here in the Vedanta Society uh, in the 1920s and 30s and 40s up to 1950. He was the closest sevak to Swami Vivekananda. And in the early days, he has seen Swami Vivekananda. He gives a description of Swami Vivekananda meditating in the Alam Bazar Mat. And the impression he has is the sheer joy beaming from Vivekananda's face. He's absolutely deep in meditation, completely unaware of the external world, even of his own body. But the face is beaming with joy. Another description of Sri Ramakrishna in Samadhi. He says he's radiating joy, as if he's bursting forth with joy. Every bit of his body is full of joy. This is something that you feel. I've also seen among people, I don't know if they were Jivan Muktas, but definitely highly advanced spiritual souls. And what the first thing one would feel is a very holy atmosphere, a pure atmosphere around them. Immediately you feel you have been washed by holy water when you go near them. Uh, there is an upliftment of the mind. Not everybody around, they feel it, and all the time. So these, these persons, I would say Jivan Muktas, they radiate it effortlessly around themselves. They feel it, they are immersed in it all the time, and they radiate it. Uh, the author of Panchadashi, Vidyaranya, who lived about 200 more than 200 years before Madhusudan Saraswati, he says, he talks about it. Why do the enlightened beings, the Jivan Muktas, have so much joy? Where does it come from? He says, by doing what has to be done in life, Kritakritya, there's a word which is used, Kritakritya, having accomplished what is to be accomplished in life, Kritakritya they are. Imagine, I have done what has to be done in human life. Done. It's, it's done with by getting what has to be got in human life, the highest, the ultimate prize in human life, if one gets it. Praptavya praptataya. What is to be got, one gets it. The Bhagavad Gita says, Yam labdva na chaparam labham manyate tato dhikam. This means thita dukkhena guruna api navichalyate. Having got that, that means that realization, I am Brahman. After getting which, nothing greater remains to be got. Being established in that, that I am Brahman. Being established in that, where the greatest of sorrows cannot shake you. So see, because of prarabdha karma, the sorrows will keep coming. Pain and pleasure, um, happiness and misery. Because of our past papa and punya, which we have done, it will keep giving those results. But if one is not shaken at all, we have got that. So praptavya praptataya. Having attained what is to be attained. Having, having got what is to be got. Gyatavya gyatadaya. What is to be known in human life. The ultimate mystery. The meaning of existence. Is there God? What am I? The purpose of life. All that is accomplished. I know that I am the absolute. So by attaining that which has to be attained. Uh, by, by doing that which has to be done in human life. By attaining that which has to be attained in human life. By knowing that which has to be known in human life. Imagine such a state. The great peace and serenity and complete fulfillment of such a person. So this, this is why they are so, they are so happy. Uh, you see, there is this desire to live in this body. Because I think I am this body. 
and I know this body will get old and die. So this fear of death is there and this constant struggle and desire to live in this body. I must exist. How? As this person. This is called Jiji Visha. The desire to live in this body. And then there is the question of um, um, this um, desire to know that I must be aware, I must know more and more. This world is a, is a mystery, more and more through science and arts and all sorts of realms of human knowledge. It, we must push back the frontiers of ignorance and know more and more. Uh, this is jigyasa. This is jigyasa, the desire to know. The ultimate jigyasa, of course, is to know what am I. And then there is something called bhubuksha. The desire to enjoy. I am unfulfilled. I am hungry for satisfaction. Through food and sense pleasures and uh, um, uh, you know, art and nature and activities and friends and family. In all these ways, bubuksha, desire to consume. We say this is a consume, um, consumer economy. It's all driven by consumption. This bubuksha, you can see that if you uh, go to these supermarkets, nowadays of course social distancing, so hardly few people are around. The vast aisles full of um, 100 different types of toothpaste and um, 200 different types of um, uh, you know, cereals and so on. Bubuksha, desire to enjoy more and more and more. Why? Because I am unsatisfied. So, these three, Jijivisha, Jigyasa, Bhubuksha. To overcome these three, a new desire is introduced. Mumuksha, desire to be free of all of this. The moment I realize I am the infinite, I am Sat, pure being, I cannot die. I am immortal already. Then the desire to exist in this body goes away. The Jijivisha is overcome. And... When I know that I am chit, consciousness, that consciousness through the manovrittis, through the modifications of the mind, appears as all kinds of knowledge in the world. Then I feel the, the reality behind all knowledge. Then the, the jigyasa about this world, it may still continue as your profession. If you are a scientist, you will continue to do science. But the ultimate reality is now known to you. I still remember one of those spiritual highly advanced spiritual persons I've met. Um, I was sitting, he was an old monk, was sitting in his room and he pointed to a cabinet, a locked um, almira, and he said, I don't know what items are there in that, but what it is really I know. What does he mean? The specific items, what is, the, what is there if you open the, the almira, you will see certain things are there. So he cannot tell you what things are there. But he says, what it is in reality I know. Everything in this universe, what it is in reality I know. He is saying, that time I did not realize. Later I realized, he is saying, I know that all is Brahman. Not just by reading a book. I mean, for him, it's, it's a living reality. So, that desire, jigyasa, for the ultimate reality, now you know. You know the reality. And bhubuksha, the desire to get satisfaction by uh, eating the world little by little, by consumption, that also goes away. I am the infinite being, the reality of all things. What is there left for me to enjoy? All of it is me only. 
when you snap out of a dream, all the nice things that you saw in the dream, you don't regret it that, oh, it's gone. I must go back and start dreaming again to enjoy those things. No. They were not there. Or if they were there, they were only products of my mind, the dreamer's mind. Similarly, every enjoyable thing, person, place, activity in the world is nothing apart from me, Brahman, who am existence itself. Their existence depends on me. Their prakasha, revelation, depends on me, the consciousness. And the joy that I see there is actually my ananda, which is reflected there. So what do I need for the pleasures of the world outside? Bhubuksha goes away. So mumuksha, the desire to be free, overcomes these three. Jijivisha, Jigyasa, Bhubuksha. And then Mumuksha itself goes away when you realize you are Brahman. This is a very beautiful analysis. You see, the nature of our ignorance that when we desire fulfillment from the external world, what are we desiring? That these things, the food I like, the people I like, my possessions, they are real. And not only they are real, they must continue to exist. It's not enough that the people are real, the objects are real, and now they are all away from me because of social distancing. No, they must be present. They must continue. And the third thing we want is, we must be aware of them. It's not that they are there and I am in coma, I'm not aware of it. That also is not enough for me. I must be aware. Not only aware, they must continue to give me joy. So these are our demands. The anatma, the not-self, that which we want from outside. It must be real, it must continue, it must, uh, I must be aware of it, and they must continue to give me joy. And Vedanta tells you, you are doomed. All of these are false. These four one must give up to, to enjoy Jivan Mukti. These are not real. They are appearances in the consciousness that you are. You are Brahman. In you, by the power of Maya, all these people, these activities, these uh, pleasures, they appear, shine and disappear. They will not stay. They have only a borrowed reality. That which has a borrowed reality will lose it. It will be born, it will die. It will be produced, it will be destroyed. It will come, it will go. It will not stay. No person, no possession, no achievement, no name and fame, nothing will stay. Third, I must be aware of it. No, the mind is continuously in the movement. It's also objective. It's, it's a thing in the world and subject to continuous change. There's nothing that you can be, no object that you can be continuously aware of. Even the most beloved thing, I give the example, extreme example, of a mother with her baby. The most lovable thing for her in the whole world. That also, baby also she forgets when she goes into sleep. When she falls asleep, complete forgetting of the baby. The most precious thing for her in the world. So everything goes away. Nothing will stay continuously in our awareness. And they must continue to give me joy. None of them actually give you joy. It is your own joy which is reflected back through all these activities, people and objects in the world. When you give this up, you realize, I the Atman, the Atman is real, Brahman alone is real. Is it there all the time? Yes, it is there all the time. Is it there in, in awareness all the time? Am I aware of it all the time? When one is enlightened, you are not aware of it as an object, it is self-revealed to you, always available to you. 
even now that i exist this is a precondition for any experience even before vedanta our own existence is never doubted whenever you are aware of something first you are aware of your own existence you may not think about it you may not notice it but it's always there i am there so it's always in our awareness not as an object it is self revealed as consciousness and it is always a source of joy the atman is in fact the source of joy so these four what is true not the not self not anatma atma is true what is always there not anatma atma is there what am what am i always aware of which will never go away from awareness awareness itself the atman chit not anatma what will give me joy always the atman not the anatma which has no joy at all so this realization sets you free from this ever trying to get a little bit of happiness from the outside going around with a begging bowl to the world give me happiness my own happiness this is called jivan mukti it's an extraordinary uh, realization while living in the body one is free of this delusion of trying to seek fulfillment outside you're completely self fulfilled one may say that no 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 it is because of satisfaction of desires that one is fulfilled all desires are satisfied in jivan mukti in taittiriya upanishad it comes brahmananda valli the the section on the the bliss of brahman a bliss that is brahman so snute sarvan kaman sah brahmana vipaschiteti the enlightened person enjoys the fulfillment of all desires knowing that i am brahman that brahman you realize that not one thing in the universe is separate from you all that you desire is you yourself all the things and places and activities and persons every individual desire is um, you don't have to go around satisfying them to do list what i want yeah, from santa claus what i want every year no brahma gyana will give you all of it in one flash it's not that all the desires will be individually satisfied you realize the nature of all of those desires and that you realize you are the the reality which you are trying to grasp in by little by little through those desires at once it is fulfilled infinitely fulfilled so all desires are completely fulfilled forever in brahma gyana imagine the joy yeah the holy mother used to say so so it's such a hard life she used to say my child i do not know what sorrow is sri ramakrishna has established a picture of bliss in my heart anandir ghat boshiye gachen thakur sri ramakrishna has established a picture of bliss in my heart such a hard life in the midst of so many ups and downs and uh, struggles in life so much of responsibilities later on in life till the very end of her, her mortal life uh, and she says i do not know what sorrow is what is sorrow i do not know i never i never known what sorrow is so the jivan mukta enjoys this uh, complete fulfillment undisturbed fulfillment how there he says there is something to be done there is actually some practice to be done to convert let us say this enlightenment into jivan mukti this brahma gyana i know that i am brahman this realization how does it become jivan mukti 
In the twenty-first verse he says, Prarabdha karma vikshepad vasanatuna nashyati sa sarvato balavata sangyamena upashamyati sangyamo dharanadhyanam samadhiriti yatrikam yamadi panchakam purvam tadartham upayujyate Ishwara pranidhanatu samadhi siddhyati drutam tato bhavet mano nasho vasanakshaya evacha. So now we are going into the very rarefied heights, like top of Mount Everest of spirituality. He's saying, even after the realization that I am Brahman, what happens is because prarabdha karma is active, the results of our past karma keeps coming. So ups and downs in life will keep coming. Now to overcome that, the knowledge that I am Brahman has to be brought to bear. It has to be manifested in life. That is why Swami Vivekananda said, the goal of religion, the goal of human life is the manifestation of the divinity already within us. Now, this is an interesting point. He did not say it is the knowledge of the divinity already within us. That... I realize I am Brahman and that's it. No. It also has to be manifested in our thinking, in our speech and our activities. In our reactions to the ups and downs brought by my Prarabdha Karma. When Prarabdha Karma, if there is a lot of bad Prarabdha Karma, a lot of Karma is exhausted. Especially they say, those who are Jivan Muktas, this is their last life. And so they have many, many experiences. Sometimes the experiences of many lives are exhausted in one life, they say. I remember Swami Ranganathanandaji. Um, he was the 13th president of our order. When he was the vice president, I remember I was a young novice. I was entering his room. He was visiting Belurmat, the main monastery. And he was lying down on the bed. I was going in to make pranams to him. A senior Swami was sitting at the foot of the bed. And... I just heard a snatch of their conversation. That senior Swami was saying to Swami Ranganathanandaji, Maharaj, you have lived ten lives in one. You have lived ten lives in one. And Swami Ranganathanandaji simply said, yes. Um, what does it mean? The experiences of many lives, the en enormous amount of prarabdha gets exhausted. So happiness and sorrow, pain and pleasure, they come in, in a rush, one after another. So many things happen to... Uh, the Jivan Mukta often it so, so happens it depends on the nature of the stored the, the Prarabdha Karma so one must re it requires great spiritual power to overcome these ups and downs and he says that one must remain immersed in the realization that I am Brahman now you notice Totapuri who was a Jivan Mukta who had realized that his identity with Brahman but daily he would meditate. He would remain in samadhi for some time. And uh, Sri Ramakrishna asked him, So why do you do that? You are already you have realized that you are Brahman. And Todapuri showed his brass pot. And he says, if I um, scrub it daily, look how it shines. If I don't scrub it, it still remains brass. But it gets a layer over it. It, doesn't, it becomes dull. Similarly, the mind has to be immersed in the realization that I am Brahman. Then it remains pure, holy, fulfilled, Otherwise, a layer of the world, like the scum on, the, on, on stagnant water, 
layer of the world will fall on it enlightenment is not not disturbed but ups and downs go on through life so this intense immersion in god realization at least sometime every day this is something that jivan muktas practice um naturally they of they do it if you look at the lives of the direct disciples of sri ramakrishna you find that uh, even after sri ramakrishna gave them all kinds of realization visions and up to nirvikalpa samadhi after his passing all the monastic disciples and some of the household disciples they immersed themselves in intense spiritual practice they are often asked that sri ramakrishna has given you everything so what are you practicing and they would say that um, swami shivananda said swami brahmananda said what he has given us we are trying to make it our own so what it means we get a deeper understanding here that by remaining immersed in that realization it could be non dual realization i am brahman or a devotee's realization the savikalpa samadhi the presence of god vivid presence of god that enables them to overcome the ups and downs of prarabdha and continuously manifest this inner divinity the goal of life is to manifest the divinity already within us and here he has said the practice is samadhi that means complete identification with the divine and practicing that every day um it consists of dharana dhyana samadhi so basically reference here is to patanjali yoga where there are eight limbs of meditation uh, the moral practices yama and niyama then sitting the uh, the asana breathing pranayama and then pratyahara withdrawal from the external world so he says these five are preliminaries but the practice with the jivan muktas do is the the last three dharana dhyana samadhi focus meditation and absorption and this they do you see it in life not only totapuri you see the life of buddha or krishna whatever we have get documents uh, you find every day they would withdraw for some time Jesus in in the Bible it said long hours in prayer, rising long before dawn and remaining immersed in prayer. Immersed in prayer, that's what the disciples couldn't understand, the absolute oneness with with the, with what he called Father in heaven. In the lives of all great teachers, Ramana Maharshi, you see, what what happens? I see the similarity. Sri Ramakrishna attaining Nirvikalpa Samadhi under the guidance of Totapuri. After Totapuri leaves. Sri Ramakrishna remains in that state for nearly six months. Others have to come and force feed him to keep that body alive. Ramana Maharshi, after the almost the spontaneous awakening, he realizes I am not body and mind; I am the Atman. But what does he do after that? He retreats into the underground chamber of a tem- of a temple infested by rats and dirty to remain undisturbed. And for months together, he remains absorbed in samadhi, unaware of the world. even to the extent where the rats were biting him he did not realize so this immersion just after realization staying with it this gives a power a jivan mukti if one one gets a realization and does not stay with it what happens the prarabdha karma will tend to overpower you you will realize god is real i have seen god devotee will realize that the gyani will realize i am brahman i am the atman i am not body and mind but when disease comes uh, failure comes frustration comes sorrow comes in life in many forms 
uh, you tend to get overwhelmed by it unless one is completely centered in this realization this thing was analyzed by the uh, advaitins how do you what is the uh, the art and the science and the method of jivan mukti how do you manifest this divinity so that your life is fulfilled and you are a blessing to others so about 200 years before um, madhusudan there was vidyaranya swami in the south of india another great post shankara dvaita master and uh, he wrote a number of classics including the well known panchadashi which is a masterpiece of non dual vedanta after showing what is brahman and how to attain realization so clearly and so well argued and so presented with such power and clarity the story goes somebody asked him so i realize after reading your text i am brahman so these advanced texts can sometimes be disruptive can be uh, misleading sometimes sri ramakrishna asks one of the visitors have you read the panchadashi and the visitor replied no who is he <laughs> Sri Ramakrishna laughed and he said thank god these young people they read the panchadashi and texts like that and come and uh, you know they pester me with all sorts of uh, you know very deep questions you do not understand and straight away you feel i am brahman because the text is so powerful and it's true also the fact is that it is true we are brahman so some when we realize when we read that and it's argued and it becomes very convincing we feel that but it's not yet enlightenment is not yet there so somebody asked vidyaranya it seems um, so i am brahman you have you have uh, showed that so i can do anything really i will not be touched by anything uh, all sorts of uh, if i do uh, sinful activities what can touch me i am brahman so vidyaranya so this is a misunderstanding of jivan mukti so to clarify matters what is true jivan mukti he wrote another text called jivan mukti viveka jivan mukti viveka this jivan mukti viveka where he discusses the components of jivan mukti how your initial realization i am brahman is manifested in day to day life and you become a jivan mukta by the way this jivan mukti viveka this is a very beautiful translation um published from the advaita ashrama uh, by swami mokshadananda ji that if you remember the monk i mentioned who said what is there in the almira i don't know the items but i know what it is in reality it is it is that monk who and he translated this jivan mukti viveka so in this jivan mukti viveka vidyaranya talks about three components of jivan mukti enlightened while living one is tattva gyana the initial realization i am brahman the uh, second one is the manonasha the literally it means the elimination or destruction of the mind but that's not the real meaning vasanakshaya is the third component the destruction of um, of desire of vasana so three components tattva gyana realization i am brahman manonasha it, uh, it literally means destruction of mind but what it means is complete focus of mind and the destruction of desire the, the complete purification of the mind now if you will if you think you will see that there's a direct correspondence with the structure of sadhana which we studied last time by karma yoga comes purification of mind 
that purification of mind in its final culmination is called vasanakshaya by vidyaranya the upasana meditation on god devotion to god focus on god that focus in its ultimate culmination is samadhi and that is called manonasha so before the tattva jnana before the realization i am brahman the sadhana which we did karma yoga bhakti yoga raja yoga those things alone will culminate in vasanakshaya and manonasha now it is these three he says these three together tattva jnana vasanakshaya manonasha if you practice them together then you get jivan mukti when these become when these mature tattva jnana matures in the realization i am brahman vasanakshaya matures in the complete purification of the mind absolutely no desire for any worldly pleasure and then the manonasha culminates in not only focused mind concentrated mind meditative mind but samadhi when these are accomplished you are a jivan mukta why would they not be accomplished usually for a sadha sadhaka vidyaranya says he says there are two two kinds kritopasti akritopasti those who have completed the course the syllabus from the beginning till the end purification of mind concentration of mind on god and then uh, gyana yoga leading to by shravana manana nididhyasana re- leading to realization they get all three together tattva gyana manonasha vasanakshaya and they become jivan mukta on the realization i am brahman so they are all three are together but but here is the thing which vidyaranya considers in many cases it may happen that one gets the realization i am brahman without completing vasanakshaya and manonasha the complete purification of mind is not yet been done it's pretty highly purified already otherwise realization would not arise but still because of prarabdha karma madhusudan says vasanas keep getting activated and um manonasha the concentration of mind it has to be perfected Com- what you have realized that i am brahman must be completely absorbed in that that ability must be there to lift the mind from the troubles of the world and be absorbed in your nature as brahman so these two may remain to be perfected in some cases for them what will happen is vidyarnya says if you have realized that you are brahman but the other two are not perfect yet then you will be affected by the ups and downs of life produced by your prarabdha karma you will feel i know i have got clarity that i am brahman but still it's a struggle life is still a struggle there is unhappiness there is strain um sorrow hits me disease and physical pain hits me so but what will happen is that tattva jnana ensures that upon the death of the body upon the prarabdha when the prarabdha is exhausted you will get liberation moksha is assured one gets um the knowledge that i am brahman realization not just reading about it clear realization then uh, moksha at the end of the this last life moksha is guaranteed but advaita vedanta says that's not the uh, real goal the real goal is to 
the to have the joy of of liberation the fulfillment of liberation while living the body must be there mind must be functioning and then uh, you realize in the midst of all of this for that one must practice spiritual sadhanas manonasha and vasanakshaya must be accomplished the same sadhana the karma karma yoga the meditation the bhakti especially he says ishvara pranidhana devotion to ishvara to god is very helpful in accomplishing manonasha and vasanakshaya um why is this necessary let me give you two medical examples two different swamis non dualists both of them give the example why spiritual practices are necessary even after you have got vedantic knowledge so one is this um the if you remember the sakshi i am the witness of the body mind entire world this is like an operation you are separating the sakshi from the body mind and entire world so this operation it has to be done but there are some conditions for the operation so this swami who gave this example he said gave a medical example he said he had diabetes so there was going to be a small operation on on his foot or something like that and the doctor the swami said the doctor told me swami you've got high diabetes first we must control the diabetes then the operation will be successful then we will do the operation we cannot do the operation without controlling the diabetes otherwise you will become even sicker similarly like the diabetes if there are desires in the mind if there are uh, there's the mind is flickering it's not concentrated enough unless the purification is done unless the focus and concentration becomes powerful the operation to see that the sakshi is separate from body and mind will not be su- uh, successful what will happen is i read the vedanta and i understand that i am the consciousness witness of changing mind um the vrittis in the mind are arising and disappearing but as the vrittis in the mind arise and disappear instead of being sakshi of anger it will become i am angry it will become angry sakshi <laughs> uh instead of being sakshi of desire it will become i desire it becomes a desirous sakshi when greed arises in the mind instead of being uh, i am the witness of the arising and disappearance of greed in the mind i become greedy sakshi sakshi can never be greedy angry or desirous or full of desire but it's this weakened impure uh, impure in the sense that the separation between uh, mind and sakshi is not clear because of powerful movements of prarabdha karma so first the purity of the mind and the concentration of the mind has to be assured through meditation devotion nishkama karma then this operation will be vedanta can come and do the operation that you the sakshi the sakshi will become very clear then effortlessly the sakshi and the body mind will appear separate sri ramakrishna gave the example the coconut when it is not ripe then the flesh of the coconut and the water and and the skin they are all mixed up you cannot separate when it becomes ripe and the coconut he uses a bengali term dharpar dharpar kar the the essence of the coconut inside if you shake it there's a rattling sound inside that means the essence has become separate from the out uh, this uh, outer skin so uh exactly like that he gave another example a wound is there it will heal naturally then the scab drops off without any effort 
but if you scratch it while it is healing it becomes worse so that that process has to be accomplished through sadhana vasanakshaya manonasha and so these three have to be accomplished if one has been accomplished tattva gyana must put effort into the other two another medical example and this swami i met in haridwar somebody talked to him that uh, i have uh, oh a devotee had come who had a kidney transplant and uh, the swami was asking him how are you now has is the transplant successful and the devotee said yes it's successful but now i have to be careful i have to take certain drugs to guard my um, you know against uh, infection uh, i have to follow strict diet all these things are there then the swami was surprised he said but uh, in transplant is over now why do you have to follow these things he says oh otherwise what will happen is the um, new kidney organ which has been put in my body the body will not recognize the kidney as a part of um, itself and the immune systems of the body will attack it as a foreign object and i will not get the benefit of that kidney it will not start functioning and helping the body and ultimately it will kill the kidney itself it will kidney itself will die if i do not follow these uh, protective measures the swami was so uh, excited by this example he said exactly like this he looked at us the monks who were sitting there exactly like this once you feel you have got clarity about vedanta you have studied shravana manana nididhyasana at least shravana and you feel i understand it now what do i do spiritual practices are essential ethical moral life um, selfless action in the service of others regular meditation and prayer why he says just like this kidney first of all you will this your whole personality will not accept this new knowledge it will this new knowledge i am brahman your mental makeup it will not accept it it will not integrate it if it does not integrate it what will happen is the benefit will not flow the joy of jeevan mukti you will not get the ability to overcome fear or temptation you will not get the benefits of that knowledge like the benefit of the kidney will not come to the body similarly the benefit of this knowledge which you have studied and understood you are saying you have understood it yet you are not getting the benefit it has not yet been integrated and also in time what will happen is the knowledge even if it's not destroyed it will be overcome it will be rejected by the mind which is still immersed in worldliness so intense spiritual practice like that patient is undergoing so many post operative care similarly after post realization care is necessary so the care of the precious knowledge which has come then he says so these are two nice medical examples one more thing he mentions here tattva gyanam mano nasha vasanakshaya ityapi yugapat tritaya abhyasat jeevan mukti dridha bhavet beautiful verse tattva gyana realization i am brahman mano nasha complete focus of samadhi on the on this i am brahman and vasanakshaya elimination of all desires worldly desires when when these this is done then yugapat together if these are fulfilled jivan mukti dridha bhavet jivan mukti is firmly established for that he recommends sanyasa 
ಪ್ರಾಗಸಿದ್ಧ ಯಾಂಶೋತ್ಸಾಧನೆ ವಿದ್ವತ್ಸನ್ಯಾಸಕಥನ ವಿದ್ವತ್ಸನ್ಯಾಸಕಥನ so our monastic tradition when we become monks we are trying to become enlightened so the monastic life is a help towards enlightenment this is the earlier practices karma yoga bhakti yoga raj yoga gyana yoga all of them going on until tattva gyana is established but there is another kind of sanyasa after you realize that you are brahman in order to become jivan mukta more effectively more easily more naturally that kind of sanyasa is called vidvat sanyasa this is the scriptures recommend that if you have clarity uh, in a realization that i am brahman unshakable realization then in order to manifest that the most suitable life form is the monastic life form which he calls vidvat sanyasa the renunciation of the enlightened person one who already has realized this need not necessarily be of the form you know like you actually have to take formal sanyasa and put on the gerua that is the way it was done but it may not be possible for everybody again depending on prarabdha karma your own past life's karma so internally this has to be there one becomes monk like internally whether it is before realization or after realization this jivan mukta is of different kinds there's some more discussion we can leave it out but one final point i want to make this is not given here in um, madhusudan but is discussed in yoga vashishta in um, jivan mukti viveka swami gambhiranj has written about it ramachandra asks um, his spiritual master vashishta that the two kinds of enlightened person one remains immersed in samadhi away from the world the other one is engaged in activities in the world which is better and the same thing is uh, question is um, let me give you first vashishta's answer so he says vashishta says both are good the condition is is not whether a person is sitting in samadhi or is engaged in action he uses a beautiful term antashitalata inner coolness shitala cool anta inner inner means the mind the mind is cool and serene in meditation and in action swami ranganathan ji put it so beautifully and simply when i close my mind in meditation i find peace within when i open my uh, eyes when i open my eyes my attitude is what can i do for you uh, so the entire life is dedicated to the welfare of others i do not want anything and in when you withdraw from the external world absolute peace within that is antashitalata vashishta says to ramachandra that is the condition it's no use sitting in meditation if the mind is boiling with desires it's much better than to go out there and work with a 
um, desireless mind work for the welfare of others. But antashitalata, that inner coolness, I am um, reminded of Swami Turiyanandaji, the great Vedantin disciple of Sri Ramakrishna. In his old age in Benares, uh, he was suffering from many old age ailments, physical suffering. So the attendants were sorry to see the old Swami suffering like this. And the Swami reassured them. He said, um, the suffering is only on the outside, the level of the body. Inside, Sri Ramakrishna has made it all ice. There is suffering at the physical level. There is a depth inside which is completely untouched, serene, untouched by suffering. The storms are on the level, on the surface of the Atlantic Ocean. There are waves and foam and rain and thunder. Um, but below that is 10,000 feet of deep, calm water. Similarly, at the level of the body, things are going on. Prarabdha karma, in the world and the body. But I am Brahman, infinite being, consciousness, bliss, untouched by all of this. Um, Absolutely, it is ice-like inside, uh, absolutely cool inside. A funny um, footnote to this, many years ago I was in the Himalayas, I met all kinds of monks. One day I met a Naga Sanyasi. Naga Sanyasi is usually fierce and this was a particularly fierce one. Um, Hot-tempered. He said he was sitting next to me while we had gone out to beg for food and we were getting food in an ashram. So he was a big man, long beard and dreadlocks. And he had, uh, I think, if I remember correctly, a trident. And uh, he told me, I asked him, what's your name? He said, my name is Sheetalanandagiri. And the bliss of coolness. That's a very cool American name, actually. The bliss of coolness. My name is Sheetalanandagiri. My guru has given me that name. And I thought the guru was very perceptive to see this hot-headed monk and gave him the name, the bliss of coolness. Sheetalanandagiri. Swami Gambhiranji says the Jeevan Mukta can be of three types. One is the one who is absolutely immersed in the realization I am Brahman and unconcerned with the world outside, which he dismisses as an appearance. Such is possible. Such Jeevan Muktas are there. Swami Vivekananda, in fact, Narendra, when he got Nirvikalpa Samadhi, Sri Ramakrishna asked him, what do you want? And he said something like this, I want to remain in that state. Once in a while I'll come down for a snack, but otherwise I'll go back and remain in that state. And Sri Ramakrishna scolded him. He said, that's so selfish. I thought you'll be like a great banyan tree under whose shade thousands will, you know, the, the world which is weary with suffering, they will get peace under your shade. And here you are thinking about your own uh, liberation. Anyway, so that's one... <coughs> One option, uh, remaining immersed in the joy of uh, the self, Atmananda. The other, the second option, the second type of Jivan Mukta is the one who is aware of the external world but regards it as a great wonder, Jamatkara, wonder. The, there was this monk in Dakshineshwar who would remain immersed in meditation throughout most of the day in his little hut. But once in a while he would come out and look at the temple and the river and the sky and the clouds and cheer and clap. How wonderful all this is. And go back into his, uh, into his hut and plunge into meditation. These are often, you might call, the, the, um, the crazy ones of, of spiritual life. The madmen of God. Who see the world as an 
uh, as a product of Maya. Uh, the good and the bad, both are manifestations of the same Brahman. And they are filled with joy, a kind of marvel at all of this. There is a third kind of Jivan Mukta, which Sri Ramakrishna preferred, Vivekananda preferred. Swami Gambiranji says, this is the Jivan Mukta who looks upon the world, who realizes I am Brahman, all of this is Brahman, but here are all of these this suffering humanity who are under so much suffering, life after life they suffer, they do not realize that the, the treasure they have within, if only they would realize that they are Brahman. And out of compassion, this Jivan Mukta turns to teach them. So they, these become the great world teachers. Third kind, Sri Ramakrishna talked about the three friends who were going by a wall and they did not know what was on the other side of the wall. One of them, they decided to find out. One of them climbed up with great difficulty, stood on the top of the wall, looked on the other side and started dancing with joy and shouting, how wonderful, what joy, and jumped over on the other side. And these two were bewildered. What happened? What did he see? Second man climbs over and on the top of the wall he sees something and he starts dancing with joy. What joy, how wonderful, and jumps over. The third person thought, how strange, what is there on the other side? He climbs on top of the wall with great difficulty and he sees a mart of joy, a festivity going on on the other side. And how wonderful, he's so filled with joy. He's about to jump over. Then he thought, what about our poor village and the, our villagers who are suffering with, from, from samsara, so much sorrow? This would bring so much happiness to them. Who will tell them if I do not go back and tell them? So he turns around and goes back into the world to invite people to this mart of joy. So this is the third kind of Jeevan Mukta. Those who are our gurus, our uh, the, the teachers of, uh, of humanity. So this is Jeevan Mukta. Swami Turiyanandaji had a dilemma at one, uh, at one time. What is the purpose of human life? Say so God realization is the purpose of human life. Say no, no, no. God realization. Say I'm already God. If if Advaita is true, I am one with Brahman. So why go through all of this? I could Brahman could have remained as Brahman. Why would Brahman create this world and become embodied and go through life after life of struggle? Says Jivan Mukti is the purpose of life. Jivan Mukti Sukha Prapti. The enjoyment. The fulfillment coming from Jivan Mukti, this tremendous joy, which is not possible unless there is a world and embodiment and the Jivas and the life and death. Only through that process does it culminate in this final realization of liberation while living. Jivan Mukti Sukha Prapti. I pray to the Lord that this fulfillment will come to us in this life itself by the grace of God. Let us aspire to that Jivan Mukti that so that we may get this ultimate fulfillment in life. Om Shanti 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 Harihi Om Tatsat Shri Ramakrishna Arpanamastu Stay well everybody. May the Lord protect us all.